Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Come, Creator Spirit, be my mind and my heart and on my lips. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to have a priest that believes in you. When Father ever asked me to preach, I said, are you sure you want me to do that? Because I'm, I'm a heretic. And he said, as long as you keep your heresy to 12 minutes or less. So, so here's some good heresy today, under 12 minutes, hopefully. Normal is what we know, and we fear the unknown. This was a saying from one of my favorite seminary professors, and it has never left me. Christians can be some of the most exclusive human beings on planet Earth. We often play the game of who is in and who is out. We categorize people as good or bad, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. We can even be the most pretentious when it comes to truth, as if we have the absolute truth and everyone else is wrong. We have the golden ticket, and we have the power to help you get that golden ticket too. And we do this by using scripture and Jesus as weapons to mold people into who we think they should be. We shout and protest messages of inclusion and equality, but we quickly draw lines when another has opposing beliefs. This is not Jesus Christ in whom we worship and follow. For most of us, it's not solely our fault. We are born into religious and secular cultures that teach us what culture thinks is right or wrong. But history tells us that it's often these religious and secular cultures that gets it wrong. As we go about life, we struggle to change because normal is what we know and we fear the unknown. Kind of like how my parents love burnt Folgers coffee and they fear my freshly roasted beans of two weeks. <laughs> they avoid my preparation of tactics of measuring every bean and heating the water at 202 degrees. They're skeptical of this method. But normal is what we know, and we fear the unknown. I like to describe the Christian life as death, resurrection, ascension, and revelation. We die to an old version of ourselves. We are reborn in Christ. We ascend to a new way of living and thinking. And we receive revelation on the journey of following Jesus and experiencing the presence of the Spirit. Today, we're going to look at Galatians 3, 23 through 29, the epistle we read a few minutes ago. We're going to discuss the spiritual journey of St. Paul. We'll discuss how he arrived at such a profound and heretical concept found in this passage. And we will then discuss how this passage can apply to us today. So to refresh us, I'm going to read this passage one more time. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. 
I believe these words were some of the most profound and controversial thoughts in the first century, and they still are today. In this text, Paul was presenting a healthy deconstruction for the common people, the Jews and the Gentiles. He was radically wiping away, wiping away the lines of class, race, and gender. And these words could have only come from the soil that Jesus planted into humanity, and they were waiting to blossom at the right time and hour. Jesus embraced this worldview. He sat and ate with prostitutes, tax collectors, the rich, the poor, and he made no separation from these differences. He taught that the master is not greater than the slave. He taught that in marriage, the man and the woman are one. He told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. He told us to invite everyone, even the poor, to our fancy banquets. This Galatian text truly reveals the nature of Jesus. So after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the disciples and followers were left with changed hearts, changed minds, and changed lives. However, in many ways, they were probably dumbfounded. What do we do next? They must have asked themselves. How on earth were the disciples supposed to put into words all they had learned and experienced from Jesus? How were they to describe their newly changed hearts and their newly changed minds? How could they write any of this down unless they kept experiencing Jesus and embodied all that he brought? Because of their faithfulness to continue following him, we now have the New Testament. A couple weeks ago, we, we celebrated the Feast of Pentecost. And I believe the importance of Pentecost is to show that we can experience the presence of God while the bodily Jesus is no longer on earth. The day of Pentecost infused our hands, feet, and mouths with the hands, feet, and mouth of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Like the old hymn says, Christ has no body now but yours. On Pentecost, we learn that experiencing the presence and love of Jesus is still possible today. And we can continue the miraculous work that Jesus started by responding to this love and presence every single day that we breathe. So from Pentecost and on, the teachings of Jesus unfolded into a beautiful ideology of love that the disciples took, lived, taught, wrote about, and grew into. From this, a movement began and started spreading like wildfire, a movement our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, likes to call the Jesus Movement. So now we have St. Paul, the leader of the church, who embodied and taught and led this ideology and movement in the most challenging and pastoral and loving way. The majority of our New Testament is written by Paul interpreting the words that Jesus spoke when he walked on earth, and by Paul interpreting the presence and the ever-evolving love of Jesus as he continued to lead this movement. So how did Paul arrive at the words, there is no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free, no longer male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus? We know the story of, of St. Paul. He was a Jew named Saul who followed the law but persecuted Christians who were following this Jesus movement. Saul then had a major encounter with the presence of Jesus on the road to Damascus, what many call his enlightening moment or his salvation experience. Saul died, was reborn as Paul, ascended as a disciple, and received daily revelation from the Spirit as he continued following Jesus and showing others that they could follow him too. I believe Paul is a great example in the Bible in which we can follow. Paul was radically awakened by the presence of God, a death and resurrection. Paul dedicated his life to following Jesus and ascension, 
And Paul continued to experience Jesus through the pursuit of love in others and helping people see that love, a revelation. Though with many examples of failing, struggling, and being tempted along the way. Another one of my seminary professors always said to interpret the Bible through Jesus. And this has helped me see everything so much differently. If we can learn to see the Bible as a record and library of people experiencing God, it will help us not create our Bibles into a God. So when I read this text from Paul, I I look to the scriptures of what did Jesus say? And of course, it belongs. It matches up. The main point of the Galatians text is that we are all children of God. All have access to his presence, despite our differences. In the biblical times, the presence of God was kept in the holy place, in the center of the temple. And, the on, and only the holiest of men, the elite, could go in. No slaves, no women, no Gentiles. There was literally a section that only Gentiles could go. A different place for slaves and a different place for women. They were not seen as equal. But this is why this passage is so profound. Paul is knocking down these walls, just as Jesus did. All are children of God. All have access. All are one. The men and women are one. The master is not greater than the slave. The Jews are not the only chosen people of God. This arrival of Paul is what we call a revelation. Maybe it was immediate. Maybe it took some time. But it was time for Paul to shake what the people knew as normal. It's important to note that Paul never went from bad guy to good guy. Paul became awakened to the goodness and love that was already inside of him because he is a child of God, just like you. J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Lord of the Rings, is often misunderstood as a book about good versus evil, but his intention was to point that all people are deceptible to evil, even the angelic figure, Gandalf. As Christians, we begin our journey of spiritual maturity One of, the first, one of the first things that happens to us is we become aware of our own sin, our faults, and our weaknesses. We have our, our enlightening moment, or our salvation moment, whatever you want to call it. And one of our first steps is repenting and following Jesus. But what happens quickly because of our immaturity is we start to see everything and everyone as good or bad, sinner or saint, with us being a new saint We then settle down after this blissful moment. We pitch our tents. We put our feet in the sand. We sip on margaritas as if we have achieved spiritual maturity, the absolute truth. We often stop after this enlightening moment. But the truth is our spiritual development and growth has only begun and is a very, very long and painful journey in what C.S. Lewis describes as hell. Our culture, by default, does think in these binary terms, good, bad, true, false, right, wrong, when our world just doesn't work that way. Fleming Rutledge says, even the Bible does not draw a sharp line between the good guys and the bad guys. If it's true, if you think about some of the most iconic biblical figures, many of them do pretty evil things, but end up being called, used, and loved by God. Even St. Paul admits this when he says in Romans, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not know what I want, but I do the very thing 
I hate. This is the awakened Paul. This is Paul, the father of the church, still confessing that even he is deceptible to evil. Part of being awake is realizing that we are capable of being unloving and repenting when we are. As awake Christians, we must fight to stay awake, grow in our understanding of the human condition, and then grow in our ability to accept and love people. The more and more we continue to follow Jesus, the more this Galatians text, we are all one, can become a reality in our lives. And this is just another step of becoming like Jesus. Though we will never become like Jesus, we can always be becoming like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, All were made to drink of one spirit. And do you know what the word all means broken down into Greek? It means all. Right? All means all. All does not mean some. All does not mean Jews only. All does not mean men only. All does not mean heterosexuals only. All does not mean Episcopalians only. All means all of the children of God. After Paul's encounter with Jesus and his presence on the road to Damascus, he did not just retire in the sanctuary, but went on studying, preaching, traveling to different cultures, and sharing love and sharing meals of strangers and enemies. Revelation often leads us to changing our minds about particular things we believe to be true. It helps shake up our normal and helps us to, fear, to learn to not fear the unknown. Revelation can liberate us from the limitations we put on the love and presence of God at work in people different than us. As Paul was wiping away the lines of race, class, and gender in the first century, let's ask ourselves a question. What are some of these lines today? Let's think about it for just a quick second. Could some of them be denominations? Liberals, conservatives, traditionalists, revisionists, sexuality, other religions, millennials, baby booners. And what about race, class, and gender? Aren't these still a major division today as well? The Galatian text still applies to us today, but it includes a lot more because God is present in the past, present, and future. And humans are ever-evolving over time. Difference between humans are always changing and opportunities to love and to not love are always present. One of my favorite quotes from Thomas Merton says, Love is our true destiny. We do not find the meaning of life by ourselves alone. We find it with one another. The beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves and not to twist them to fit our own image. In closing, today Jesus comes to wipe every line away. He is here to tell us that we all belong together, that we are all children of God. He tells us to look at ourselves, repent, and stop pointing the finger. Jesus says all are welcomed at his table. In a few moments, when we stand at the table of Christ and receive his body and blood, it must be a reminder that none of us are worthy, yet all of us are worthy. No one is good, yet all of us are good. We are all children of God, with love throwing through our bones because this is part of our nature. The point of the Eucharist is for all of us to drink from the same spirit, to stand equal despite our many differences, to experience Christ as all children of God. In Christ, there is no longer male or female, 
broken or whole, rich or poor, young or old, worker or criminal, gay or straight, divorced or married, black or white, slave or free, liberal or conservative, left or right, seeking or doubting. There is just us, children of God, crafted from dust, image of love, perfectly us. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org and peace be with you.